Coaches, what's going on? I'm enjoying my time down here in sunny Florida uh, with the family. First real big vacation we've ever had as a family, so enjoying it. Hopefully you guys are enjoying your spring break, if that's what you guys are on right now. Um, I got to catch up on some podcast episodes. Uh, Looking forward to catching up again, re-listening on my way back. Uh, If you guys are bored on your on your big plane rides or uh, you know cross country travel in your cars or if you're in Texas and you're just going from the east to the west and that takes 15 hours uh, check out the podcast uh, go back to some that you've missed maybe re-listen to some of those um, you can find all of that on obviously iTunes um, wherever you're listening to this you can hear those other ones so hopefully you guys enjoy that uh, we can help your spring bake break <laughs> be a little bit better. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Team Builder. Team Builder provides strength and conditioning software to high schools around the country. Whether you write your own programs, have a full-time strength coach, or need training programs, Team Builder can make your program better. Right now, Team Builder is offering a 10-week off-season football training program with a -a two-a-day speed and agility program. This template even comes with videos from some of the top SEC strength coaches that will show you how to run your weight room. Visit their website, and enter the code RTP to get the off-season football training template and start your 14-day completely free trial at teambuilder.com. Again, enter code RTP at teambuilder.com, which is team, B-U-I-L-D-R.com. On this episode of RTP, we talk with Aaron Weiss. Coach Weiss is the offense coordinator at the Kincaid School in Houston, Texas. Listen as we talk with Coach Weiss about his GA experience at LSU with Coach Les Miles and how he likes to install, game plan, and call the offense. You can follow Coach Weiss on Twitter at Coach Aaron Weiss. Hope you guys enjoy. here from uh, the Kincaid School in Houston, Texas, where I'm the uh, current offensive coordinator. Guess my uh, my background, been been teaching and coaching for about 13 years, probably more than that. Started when I was in college. I was very lucky. I'm from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I was very fortunate to play for a bunch of very good, influential uh, coaches while I was in high school. In fact, I think every assistant that coached me in high school is now a or has been or is now a standing head coach in Louisiana. So there were young guys, and we had a great program. It was Redemptors High School. It's no longer there now, Catholic School in Baton Rouge. And uh, just had a great experience. It was very average. And average might be giving me some, some more credit than I deserve. <laughs> a football player, a receiver in a double slot offense where we didn't run the option. So think about that for a second. Uh, where literally the ball never got thrown. Maybe – they. The year after I graduated, they won a state championship and didn't complete a pass. So that was the kind of thing I was I was brought up in. Graduated there in 2002 and uh, went to LSU for undergrad. Thought I was going to go to law school, be a lawyer. I have a political science degree. Just happened to kind of start, you know, one of the guys that, that coached me in high school, his name is Neil Weiner, and uh, he's on Twitter and, and probably a guy that people have followed before. He kind of just talking to him back and forth. While I was in college. Hey, why don't you come out and start? maybe helping out, do a little coaching. He ended up getting a, a job out in New Roads, Catholic Point P, New Roads, Louisiana, very small community. And while I was in college, started coaching out there. You know, I think they paid me $1,500. And, you know, when you're 20, 21 years old, that was, that was pretty good, you know. 
And uh, from there, kind of got very lucky to bounce around a couple of high school programs while still in college because I was on about the six-year plan. And I uh, got to experience a lot of success. You know, we won a state championship at one place, went 12-1 and one at another place. And, you know, so I was like, all right, this coaching thing might work out pretty good. So finally graduated college. <laughs> and just like I heard one of the guys that you guys had on a few weeks ago from uh, Hot Springs talking about, you know, you're going, all right, well, I got to get a job. And next thing you know, <laughs> you're, you're, you're teaching social studies to middle schoolers. And, uh, you know, I was at a Catholic school, Catholic Point P and New Roads, kind of a place I'd been, I'd left. Now I'm going back because, you know, smaller schools like that will hire somebody who doesn't have much experience or doesn't have a certification or anything like that. Uh, you know, they hit me with a, like a week before school, like, hey, you know, a Catholic studies teacher left and you went to Catholic school. So we're going to have you teach that. So you know, <laughs> 24 years old, straight out of LSU and I'm teaching Catholic studies, which you know, those kids probably didn't learn what they were supposed to learn at that point. But from there, just got very lucky. We, uh, we started running the air raid stuff in 2006 or 2007, got the Tony Franklin stuff. Uh, with Neil Weiner and, and I think we're the first team kind of to ever do it in Louisiana and kind of was one of the first people to experience that type stuff got my first OC job at the age of 26 was a head coach at the age of 27 uh, somehow along the way made good friends with Steve Crackthorpe who was offensive coordinator at LSU mm-hmm. ended up going to GA there uh, for about two and a half years GA slash analyst whatever you want to call it you know doing a lot of work for not a lot of money, but, but at an awesome place that meant a lot to me. And that was kind of, that kind of took my career on another route uh, to where it went from, Oh, he's a passing guy. And that's, you know, air raid, all that. To, well, if you knew anything about LSU from 11 through 13, now 13, we did throw the ball a lot, but you know, it was, it was more of a, a pro style type attack. So within that, you know, two and a half years of experience, it was like getting a master's degree, which, which you got in the process, but actually in football and organization and, and how to do things and how to get a lot of stuff done <laughs> and maybe a little amount of time and, and, and really prepare practices and game plans, situational football and stuff like that. I got out of college because I was 30 years old. And I said, I want to make at least, you know, more than I'm my age. So I think I was making $28,000 at LSU. Uh, I went and took a took an OC job at a very big school uh, community outside of Baton Rouge, Louisiana, Dim Springs, Louisiana, and uh, got lucky there. Worked for some great guys. Had quarterbacks that were you know talented, but they had never really thrown the ball around a ton. So kind of that's when I found the identity that we have now, which is it's it's multiple. It's whatever we have to do to win the football game is what we're going to run. And there we you know. You would have been RO line coach had to run the power shirt on before you guys even had it because that's pretty much <laughs> what we ran. It was power. It was inside zone. It was zone kick, and and then we threw like one man rounds. I mean, we played with seven O linemen in the game. Remember, people were like, "What the hell happened to you? You went to LSU, you came back, and now you're you know because it used to be throwing every down guy." <laughs> so well, we we're just trying to win games. So I had a great experience there. We won the first playoff game there in like 25 years. My first year there, and we did it running some unconventional type stuff. I mean, literally, we had one receiver in the game, had a quarterback that had a hose for an arm, and he could throw a 15-yard comeback. But, uh, you know, he wasn't going to read shallow dig or any of that stuff. But we had good backs and, and a bunch of just – I look back at it now, and you, you never know how important these guys are to high school football until you don't have them. But we had a bunch of those six-foot, six-foot-one, 240-pound guards or mm-hmm. six-foot, six-foot-one, 210-pound tight end fullback types that would strike you 
and then you have a bunch of those guys, you got a chance, you know, you don't have to have all 300 pound guys. We had a couple of those too. We had some backs that could make some guys miss. Uh, Cause I remember literally looking down and going, I think there might be 11 guys in the box one time. I don't even know if they guarded the receiver. We ran it so much there. So through two years there, kind of been in Baton Rouge my whole life and uh, start looking around a little bit. There was a school in, in uh, Houston called the St. John's School, which is actually where I'm at now, his biggest rival. <laughs> and lo and behold, Steve Crector probably worked for at LCU, and his son worked with me, and we're very close, good friends. He said, man, I know the headmaster of that school. Let me call. So he calls, says, man, you need to go check it out. I said, man, I'm looking at the website. It's K through 12. It's a private school in, outside of River Oaks in Houston. Anyone that knows that area knows it's kind of what we're talking about there. It's a lot of money. Very, very prestigious <laughs> academically. I'm like, I don't want anything to do with that. That's the total opposite of kind of where I've been, you know. I've been in private schools, but not this type of deal. Well, I went there, interviewed for the job, and uh, I need to tweet it out. Uh, when they bring you to interview at these places, you interview for like eight hours. You meet everybody. It's like doing the ESPN car wash. Uh, <laughs> they even make you like teach a class. I mean, you're teaching like, it's like don't tap on the glass. I felt like I was at the zoo. And uh go through all that leave <laughs> i'm like oh there's there, there's no way that they're gonna hire me i'm a guy from south louisiana i didn't go to one of these i went to lcu you know I'm very average student i'm i don't know if i'm a fit in one of these places well sure enough they they offered me the job and and you know if you know anything about texas it pays considerably more than than say louisiana would <laughs> than so oklahoma those, that's for sure <laughs> it was one of those all right so i can move to houston I can make about thirty thousand more dollars, and uh, they're going to have me teaching third and fourth grade PE, which I was more nervous about than the football part. Uh, so I did it. I kind of took off. I had a bunch of friends over here in Houston, and it was kind of ready in life to to make a move, get away from Baton Rouge a little bit, but you know, not go too far away. You're only four hours down the road. So I got there, and uh, they were hiring an offensive coordinator. The head coach had been there for you know thirty years. They had run the Veer forever. And I got there, and my job was to install a, a new offense. And, uh, you know, I remember the first, like, spring practice we had. It's like, all right, we're going to run 10-yard corner routes. And, and the guys were looking at me like I was – they were lost. They didn't know how to run a corner route, much less, you know, dig routes, shallow routes, any, any, anything like that. But they had some guys that had a little bit of talent, and they'd all been, you know, running the – they are running an eye-based beer scheme for 20-something years. They, just, they had never – practice different they had never everything was new and I always always said it was it was an wasn't an easy job as the OC there bringing a new offense because they didn't know anything but it's also makes it easy because they don't know anything so anything you told them they're really smart kids they they just did it and they thought that was the way it was supposed to be so I ended up being there for for about three years and we had you know set every offensive record except for probably the rushing records on you know, probably we, we broke <laughs> those be because they had never thrown the ball before. I think when I – the year uh, the year I got there, the, I, I looked at their huddle from the year before and sorted, you know, season long, I sorted all the passes. It was like 47. I think we might break that one in a game, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> but it was, it, was, it was different. I got very lucky there, though. Uh, just the school and community it was. Uh, if anyone's ever been in an independent school community, it's, it's very different. But it's it's pretty awesome. Uh, like I was telling you before, and and Kincaid's the same way. It's K through twelve. You're hired. You coach your main varsity sport, and then you kind of have to coach two other sports in the middle school. And, and part of the middle school uh, curriculum for the students is sports. That's your PE credit. 
So, and then you teach in the elementary PE. So it sounds like a lot more work than it is. It's not bad. You know, I've taught pre-K, I've taught fourth grade, I've taught third grade. And it's like, you can't really have a bad day when you show up and there's pre-K kids there wanting to tell, tell you about their dog. And there's only 16 of them in class and it's you and another teacher. So you can, you can manage that pretty easily. But you get to kind of see these kids and form relationships with them on some different levels. You know, it's just very different than anywhere I'd ever been. So I got very lucky to, to get there and get that. And when, also when I worked the last stop, St. John's School, the, uh, we had a defensive coordinator whose last name was Ballard. His name's Bob Ballard. His dad was Emory Ballard. And like my second year there, he was like, hey, man, you know, I want to step on your toes. But, you know, I've been around a while. And he had been. He had been a head coach at, at a bunch of high schools, you know, big, big public schools in Texas. And uh, he was like, can I just help on offense? Like, I want to coach the O-line. So I learned more from him because he had, of course, some, a, a background in the option game and some gap scheme stuff and this stuff. And we kind of – I thought we, we did a great job taking some things that I think he had always wanted to try that he was maybe – didn't take the chance on trying because he was, you know, at a 6A school and not, not wanting to get too far out of the box. And Roy really started doing some great option stuff and beer stuff, pretty much blocking like people are calling duo uh, with him for a couple years. And then – from there, I kind of – so I was there three years, and now I'm at Kincaid, which is actually like the big rival of St. John's. We had a weird coach switch there where head coach at, at St. John's was leaving, and uh, they hired a guy from Kincaid, and the, the head coach at Kincaid, Nate Millard, called me. and was like, well, hey, why don't you just come over here and take his job, and y'all can, we can make the switch happen pretty quick. So that's where I'm at now. We had a pretty good year this year. Uh, won six games for – I won the games we were supposed to win. Lost the games we we're, were supposed to lose. We uh, play in a league that uh, it's called the SBC Southwest Preparatory Conference. I tell everyone, you know, it's kind of like the Ivy League of Texas. That would be the best way to describe it. Uh, it's all pretty much schools that are uh, like-minded in their academic rigor or whatever uh, fancy words they like to use. So that's me. I've done a little bit of everything. Uh, I've been in just about every situation from coaching at schools where we, you know, you're on kids about the fundraisers and, and having to wash our own clothes to being at places where we don't even charge gate because there's so much money at the school to being in college and everywhere in between. So I'd always say, I think I'm unique in that way, Ralph. I know how good I have it, but then I also know how it was to have some really good players and have to provide, you know, help provide for them and a little bit of everything in between. So that's well, me. You, well, coach, you kind of mentioned, you know, uh, with the school being like a, a blank slate, you know, you had kids that hadn't, you know, almost, you know, 40, 40 some passes in a, in a season is almost no passes in a season. So they were a, a, a blank slate for you. And like you said that you didn't really, I guess, have to uncoach any of the, their other thoughts and you didn't have to, uh, you didn't really have any questioning, you know, of, man, is this the way to do it? Or is this the way to do it? I mean, they just, Hey, if this, he says this is the way to do it. We've never done it. This must be, um, it, I would assume it's gotta be nice, you know, to, to have, like you said, a blank slate, uh, with, with a kid, um, I know Walls talks about it all the time when he got to Tulsa. Now, one of his main selling points for getting the the uh, quality control spot there at Tulsa was was telling you know Denver Johnson, the offensive line coach, "Hey, look, I'm a blank slate. I know nothing about offensive line. So whatever you tell me, that's going to be our thing." Is that something that uh, you, you know you tried to use to your advantage? And then also kind of curious, is that something that you look at um, maybe when down the road or, or recently when you're looking at uh, you know, trying to find coaches to come on your staff. Oh, I think it was it was it was definitely 
a cool advantage. Uh, it was something that I probably didn't even really recognize until I got there, you know, then it was like, all right, well now I really need to think about how exactly I want to teach this stuff. Cause here's the other thing about, uh, the school, the St. John school. So our quarterback that I had there, that was a three year starter is a third, was a 36 ACT kid and is going to university of Chicago. So if you told him one thing and then you told him something a little different, like he'd call you out on it because he's probably smarter than me. You know, he'd remember those things. So it was also like, they, they, they put you a check, too, that you better show up because these kids are so used to just this type of environment, an academically competitive environment, that, like, football, I mean, that's, they might not know it, but they're going to learn it pretty quick. So I think it really made me have to focus in on, like, we have to show them how to do it and do it right, and then they're going to go do it. And then we can just really focus on the little things of it. But, yeah, they didn't really know anything. So, you know, the offensive line, all they had done is really block beer. I think they ran a little bit of trap gap schemes and pass protection and all that it was so new to them but it was great because they didn't question they and and i say this about because we'll get this question a lot my head current head coach now always says you know people always ask me how is it coach these rich private school kids kids are kids everywhere and you know they want to do well you know they want to please they want to be coached and uh these kids are no different you know to a factor i think they're almost you know, that they're, they're so competitive academically and pushed that it's almost even more, you know, how well they want to do it. And, and, but they'll ask questions too, which, you know, some places people don't ask, what they'll just run through the wall for you type deal. These guys <laughs> right. want to know why they, they want to know why we're doing this. And uh, then as a coach, I think you have to be able to show them why, and then show them when you screw it up, say, Hey, I screwed this up or not. But as far as like hiring coaches, yeah, I've, I've been fortunate to, to be around guys that have been really, really good. But if I have a chance to hire a young guy, I do think it is good that, you know, you bring someone in and they go, well, they haven't ever been in this system or they haven't ever. And Hey, whatever they want to learn, you know, that they're learning your verbiage and your stuff. And they are a blank slate because that is, and that's kind of how I was when I went to LSU. I was like, I don't know any of this stuff. And, you know, with, when you're in the college, you know, type situation, no one sits down and holds your hand and says, all right, we're going to show you how we do it. No, you just got to kind of learn it as you go but if you go in with that mindset I do think it helps and coaching kids like that it, it was nice because you do go other places and and it's oh uh, well we used to call it this or he told me to do it like this I'm like no no shut up we're doing it this way you know didn't have to do that when they didn't know any better because they had never done any of it so yeah, I think it's so important you look at it too from from their point of view I mean they're they're looking for a coach that's credible and, and understands what he's talking about too I mean you know we we always kind of go in and, you know, say, hey, make sure the kids are, are listening and make sure the kids want to learn. I, I always think it's it's so good to, to be able to look at it from their eyes as well. Like, hey, man, you know, I, I got to be able to show these guys that they can trust me, number one. I mean, I've been in so many situations in so many schools, just like yourself, Coach, that that's always kind of my, my first thing is not worrying so much about them, kind of kind of minding my P's and Q's. So, so I'm like – making sure I'm, I'm putting my best foot forward so those kids trust me, you know, right from the jump. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's a – I worked for my high school head coach who is like a legendary coach now in South Louisiana because he's produced all these other good coaches ever since then. That was the first thing he ever told me. He's like, you know, understand that you need to know what you're talking about and treat them like you would treat a son, mm-hmm. and they will see through a phony in a second. And – uh. And that's – it's hard when you go into somewhere uh, new, you know, to, to try to – you can't go be the cool guy and be everyone's friend as a coach, but you got to get them to understand that, hey, we're here and I'm going to coach you hard. I'm going to do it because I care about you. 
And one thing that I've learned uh, that I do that I think has, has a lot of credibility, it's kind of something I just learned along the way, is anytime we make a mistake, I show, you know, when we watch our film with the team from Friday night, I'll show them like a few great things that we did, you know, or who we are. And then I'll show them some things that maybe I screwed up. That way they know that it's not always coaches right and the players wrong. Hey, I shouldn't have called this play or I thought that they would do this. I, mean, I think that if you can do that with your guys, that gives you a little bit of credibility to be able to, hey, now you can hammer them when, you know, because ultimately they're going to screw up a couple of things too. So that's one thing I've tried to do to get them to buy in and, and trust me and, and all that. Then, you know, there's a bunch of other ways. I think you, you can't be scared to, to have a little fun with the kids, but there's always that line, you know, where they have to know that, hey, here's coach. We got to do this stuff. But we have where we're at now. It's our kids have been great. It's uh, they, they buy in pretty easily. I so said that most kids in my, experience what to do well so well coach I'm curious what what did you what do you think you've learned um going into a school uh and, and installing a a passing or a spread offense with a uh a, an offense that originally was all run uh what, what did you learn maybe from that process how did you guys go about installing that uh, I'm sure there's a lot of, of offense coordinators even head coaches taking over uh, new high schools, you know, in, in these last few months or these next coming months um, that they're going to come into a school that's very run heavy or almost throws the ball, not at all. Uh, they go to a spread, you know, they want to take this school into the spread offense. Uh, what are some things that you learned from, some things that you did that you liked, some things that you didn't like um, to, to make that transition smooth? What were the, the most important things to get done first? Well, first, you, you better have some patience because I, I know I left practice one time thinking, like, it's time to drive back to Baton Rouge and, <laughs> and call this a day. No, <laughs> I, I, you know, I went in there with a plan of having, like, a four-day install. And that's kind of how I've always done it, three- or four-day install, whichever one you want. Then you come back around and you hit it again and you add to it. I think if you're going into that, and what I did there was I never really added. So if day one we're going in and we're going to put in a smash and, like, snatch, well, then on day five, which is, you know, coming back to day one in your cycle, I just kept that. And I really made sure that we really worked it. Like, I, I stopped, you know, I, I would plan out, and this is the thing that I got from, from being at LSU. We did this with our installs. We, we plan to install more, but if you don't get to it, it's not the end of the world. You know, don't, don't just, we got to get all this in just to say we got it in. Yeah, we don't get there. If we're in routes on air. We can't complete all hitches. Well, let's not worry about smash. Let's get the hitch part completed first, then we'll go to that. And that's kind of what we had to do there was go very, very slow with the understanding of you always – if you're starting in spring practice, some coaches might disagree with this. What you do in, in, in April, May, probably not going to make that big of a difference come November, you know. <laughs> but you're trying to get them to learn it. But if it's not good, then it's not the end of the world. Uh, every, you know, I was lucky enough. I was an offensive coordinator at 26. and. We're like top five in the state in throwing. And the, and the guy uh, I worked for, you know, I thought we were going to be awful after our first scrimmage in the fall. And he told me, it's like, it's not going to matter in five weeks. And that's true. If, you, if you're going somewhere that hasn't thrown the ball, all this is new, the reps of throwing and catching the football, you're going to get immensely better. The one mistake that I made that I wish I would have done when I was there is I wish I would have filmed our first pat and go. And then I wish I would have filmed what it looked like in – mid-September because hmm. you would you could have shown that to the kids and you know, they might have followed you up Mount Everest then because oh my god look how better we were because it always gets better if you do four quarterbacks throwing to four receivers routes on air that's an ugly drill 
but it's really ugly if they've never <laughs> if they've never done it. So I think slowing down, really trying to get the fundamental stuff down, and then coaching the coaches was a big thing because I was working with a bunch of guys that never coached this stuff, you know, to where I think in my progression as a coordinator, being able to get those guys on your page is a big, big deal. Because if not, you're trying to coach everything, and, and, and we've all been there before, and you're running around, you know, with your hair on fire, which is okay in some senses when you're coaching, but not when you can't see it all. You know, you got to get the receiver coached, coach the techniques and, and all that. So my, well, now, one thing I did do when I got there is we kind of did everything together. You know, everyone but the O-line, they kind of went and did their separate thing. But everyone else kind of – we didn't really have individual because I had to make sure it was getting put in. But uh, very, very slow, very patient. And I would challenge anyone or encourage anyone, film the first couple of days, film it months later, and then you can say, well, if you didn't get any better, then maybe you got to look at doing something else. But hopefully you've improved. <laughs> so, because I know we had, because it was out there. I mean, we had a pat and go one time. Where I, I don't know, we completed 20% of the passes. You know, it was like, oh, my God, here we go. So, and that's how, you know, that's how it's going to be anywhere, though, the first couple of days. So. You're like, didn't you guys play catch with your dads growing up? Or yeah, what well, we some of them on? could not catch at all. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I, I, that's an interesting point you bring up about the coaches. I think that that's something you don't think about often, but um, it, it can be really, you know, difficult probably for a coach that – sees the game um, from a, hey, eight guys in the box, and this is how we get everybody blocked, to now trusting. And not that even that they don't trust, you know, to go to this other system, but their mind's still seasoned in, oh, let's bring this guy in. That way we can get that guy blocked. And, and uh, it can be a definite challenge getting them out of that mindset. I know that um, it would be a, a very difficult – I could get it done, but it would take some time. It would be very difficult to, you know, retrain my brain after – three or four years of getting to bring a fullback in or doing different things like that. Yeah. It was just, you know, you go somewhere new and, 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 you know, when I left LSU and I went to Dem Springs, it was a big five, a school. And we had a bunch of coaches. I was lucky. I knew some of them. But I remember getting mad at uh, one of the assistants because we have a shot play called and, and team and he's got the backup receiver. in. I'm yelling at him, you know, you got to look at your script before it. After, you know, I was coming out of college, you know, expecting this guy that's teaching five histories, has two kids of his own to, like, look at my script and actually plan out when the players give me. That's probably not happening, you know. So being, being around high school ball more and getting back into it now, I think I've also learned, like, with your assistant coaches, give them specific things to work on. Help them make sure that they're doing the right thing. And then, but, you know, don't expect them. It's probably going to matter to the head coach and the two coordinators more than it matters to anybody. You know, I was told that at a young, young age, and that's pretty much held true, that you got an assistant. If you can get them to just believe in what you're doing, have fun, give them some responsibility, but don't give one guy every bad responsibility. You know, if he's already the huddle guy, don't make him do laundry every day too because then he's, you know, now he's getting GA'd almost. But, <laughs> you know, get those guys. Don't – if you expect – the receiver coach to be thinking like the offensive coordinator not that might happen at some places most places I've been not to say those guys can't be great coaches because lots of them have been but they got a lot of other things going on that you don't you know usually like I said I only have to teach a couple PE classes so I got time during the day you know our line coach is a Latin teacher you know he's he's pretty busy during the day (laughs) yeah so I got to make sure that I have it planned out mapped out for him and communicate after practice because before he's teaching Latin to, 
you know, kids that are going to go to Ivy League schools. He's he's busy. You know? <laughs> so. Well, yeah, isn't that a dead language? They need to stop taking it. Apparently just, not. Yeah, I'm just, I, I, I'm I don't just know kidding. I've got no idea. I'm just, I'm just being dumb. Um, uh, so, uh, you know, I think there are, like you said, it's a very interesting point. You know, you want to have these uh, big high expectations for your assistants, but then you've also got to know, like you said, they, they've got families or they're young or they, you know, have other things that they're doing. Um, but I think there's probably definitely some, some things that you can do to help bring them along. Like you've said, talk to them at certain points. Um, even on the script, you know, I know Walls and, and our coordinator right now, Coach Wilkinson at times, would, you know, put out there in the notes next to the play, make sure so-and-so's in on this play. You know, kind of yep. give their, their coach some autonomy with what they do everywhere else. But, okay, hey, now make sure, you know, so-and-so's in because this play is only for him. You know, yes. and, and, and now I think that – and I'm kind of interested in Walls. I don't know how Walls does it now, but – now he does it kind of, you know, even more differently with his receivers and, and when he has them running routes and how important it is for them to be in in certain situations in practice because, you know, he's trying to save their legs during uh, certain parts of the day. Yeah, that's, that's, that's very true. And that's kind of what I started doing. I made a little note section just because – and for one, not, not only just for them, it's good for you as a coordinator, I think, to remember to have some notes in here like I need to remember to tell everyone, hey, this is a play that we really, really like on – this part of the field or this is a play that hey it's a first down and an opener but we can also run this on third and five so understand the situation and and all that as well you know the the scripting part is 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 so big and I think often overlooked by some places where it's like it, it should be very important that everything is done for a reason and, and teaching the players and the other coaches that all right you got 10 minutes of individual if I give you some freedom all right we're, we're going to work a lot of smash today so you better be working stuff with corner routes today and you know, everything builds up to where when we hit it in team, it's not just the first time that we've ran this play. We've put it all together in other segments of practice and boom, now we're running the whole play. You know, that's, that was one thing that when I did that at the, the place that had been run the veer, I think everyone was like, Whoa, what are we doing? It's like, it, it all builds. Everything's done for a reason, you know, no wasted reps and, and all that. And I, I think once, you know, I think most people are probably doing that now, but some people, they hadn't, when they see it, they go, all right, that makes sense. You know? Yeah, I've, all, I've almost gone like line changes with my guys. I mean, making sure that I have six guys I can practice with because most of the time we're an 11 personnel team and you're going to have, you know, your tight end. So we're going to need three receivers. So wanting to have – making sure I have at least six of them so I can kind of go just line change style and then, you know, give, give my top end guys a breather here and there. So, so maybe you have some RPOs called or things like that or maybe it's a bunch of run plays in a row, you know, save their legs a little bit and then when we get back to some of the timing things or the shot plays like you're talking about coach like hey I want Jimmy to run the post on this making sure he's going to be at full speed to run that post because in a game you know he's going to be running full speed and we want to be able to practice throwing that thing you know right at 40 yards or whatever our landmark is instead of you know him going you know two miles an hour slower and we're having to throw it a little bit shorter and I just think, you know, having to, to plan around those things, it, it is kind of nice, you know, just being a position coach now because I can probably focus more on those things and kind of take it, you know, off of our offensive coordinator's plate. But, you know, knowing that if you are the play caller and you, you haven't had a chance to communicate that yet to the position coach, you got to kind of be proactive and, and making sure you let them know, hey, these are the dudes that need to be in on these plays. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, that was something I was going to say on here at some point, you know, we are uh, we're a, we have a two-hour practice time limit. Now we stretch it here and there, just like anyone probably would. But uh, and we have to go all 
offense and then all defense. So you're looking at about 50 minutes of offense, but then those guys have to go run and play defense. So the maximizing of the rep and, you know, I always said like the backup guys, you know, like you say, if you're platooning it that way where it's the next group. Now they got to also understand that like in routes on air, that those guys are trying to have those same guys up at the same time to where they're maximizing it and they're getting reps because in team, you know, we don't have as much time to go as long in team as other people all the time, or maybe we're going more in team and less in other parts. So I was going to say, if there's anyone out there that's, I'm still looking for the right way to practice in, in, in this small of a, you know, we got 40 guys on the varsity team playing both ways, you know, it's tricky. It's, 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 it's an, it's a challenge. I don't think there's any one perfect way and it might change every year. But uh, finding those reps to where you're not dog tired at the, you know, the, you know, why are we, you know, because nowadays we have all that technology. Well, they were running this fast in this month, and now they're running this fast. Well, we killed them in practice, you know, and, and, and that's something you need to be cognizant of, especially if you have, you know, if you, at our type school, if you have a slot receiver that's really, really good, well, he probably plays some safety, and he's probably on special teams and trying to monitor that. It, it's a challenge, and it's something that I think we're mindful of, but, you know, it's, it's always – it's one of my, like, notes for this season of how can we get more reps throwing the ball without everyone just being completely dead tired, especially when our head coach is the defensive coordinator. So when he decides he wants to go defense first because we weren't good <laughs> in defense yeah. and they're running their butt off the whole practice and now I got them and they're just looking at me like, Coach, I'm dead. It's like, well, we got stuff we got to get done, but now is it just – do we work the top ends of the routes? Do we make sure he gets – you know, our best guys get in just every other one or – you know, whatever it is, but yeah, there's, there's nothing more frustrating as, you know, we're throwing a poster out to a guy that's never going to get the poster out. So <laughs> you got to get those things right, and it happens, and, and that's part of high school football and part of being at smaller schools. But if anyone out there has, I'm always up for suggestions on practicing and reps because, like I said, I think it's, it's different everywhere. I've had small teams that we've coached for. Some guys went both ways and looked never tired. Some guys are like that. You know? They had other guys that are like, oh, my God, they might die any second now. <laughs> you know, we just got to keep pushing, you know, and then, and then people will say, well, the kids aren't t- – uh, it's not that. It's just – it's hard to go the whole time. <laughs> well, especially when lucky. it's 115 degrees in Houston. Yeah, yeah on turf, on turf. You know? Uh, I know turf it. is great until, the, until, you know, turf sucks in August and September, though, at 4 o'clock. So. Worst, worst thing we did at Houston, we put in turf uh, at UH. We put in turf on our practice field and in the new game field, and we were hating it as offensive linemen. <laughs> Oh, yeah. We said, this well, the is the dumbest thing we've ever done. A, the the O-linemen always seem to find a corner somewhere where there's like the one tree, you know. <laughs> oh, there's the O-line under the shade while we're out here on the 20 taking it, you know, from the heat. But that's, that's part of it. Hey, it's hot. That's how it's going to be unless we move up north. So, <laughs> Yeah, it's um, it, well, they put it in turf, and it, it went up. It was unbelievable how much hotter it was, which – was to our benefit when other teams uh, shipped in and played us, but it was not fun at practice or during summer workouts. Um, so I would say probably one of the biggest things that I stole from playing college, and, and I haven't got to coach at the collegiate level, but just from playing uh, in college was the ability to have a really good uh, system of cards and, and run, a, run a good scout defense, you know, and, and have those looks carded up and, and you know, some things like that. Do you guys use – and I know not all offenses use cards for, for a defense. Um, do you guys use any, any cards for your defenses? Or um, since all your guys play defense, you just tell them, um, you know, what they need to hear as a defensive player and they can get lined up in those? Yeah. Well, you know, it's – so the dream, 
the dream that I've had for years and it's just never happened yet. And, and I'm sure somewhere out there, someone out there has done it and I'm jealous is, is that I learned the defensive terminology so well that I could just script it out. And then the defensive coaches could coach their guys and all that stuff. But then invariably you'll have some weird look. Uh, so what we try to do oh, is we yeah. try to, even, even without a ton of players, we'll bring our JV over and we'll kind of have two groups. So I'll try to get, you know, I'll try to script it out, and sometimes it gets a little screwy and you got to move a guy. But I'll try to, hey, hey, we want this look four plays in a row, and that, that scout group has given us that look four plays in a row. Maybe one time in there we send a pressure, and I just have a little note on the script, and the coach knows to send this guy in this gap at that time. And then after four plays, they switch out, and a new group comes in. They've already been shown the card on the sideline. So we, that's how we do it. We use cards. I hate making the cards. But that's kind of where we're at now because, you know, a lot of the guys that are our scout team guys are freshmen and sophomores that even if we said the terminology, they might not know it yet. But I try to tell, like, the DB coach, hey, you're coaching the scout team over there. If it's our, you know, quarters-type coverage or kind of one of our variations of cover two or cover three, like, you can call it that way. I'm not going to lose sleep over that, uh, you know, because sometimes we don't know what the heck they're doing on defense, you know, with some of the film we get anyway. But I think that that's, you know, having that rotation has helped. I think the goal is to be able to get as much in the terminology as possible. But say we're playing a 3-3 stack team and we're a 40 front team, well, you know, that's, that's not going to really carry over anyway. So <laughs> I think having it planned out and the way that we do it is pretty efficient. It's not great. It never is. You know, I ran the scout team at LSU. We, we could go through GA stories for, for years on running scout teams and stuff. You know, get them in a tight five. You move the guy, then you're getting MF because he's too tight. You're just like, ah, I can't win. But, you know, trying to – one thing I always said, if I get the ability to be a head coach again at some point, I was for one year at one time, uh, that I would, you know, really make sure that I was involved in the scout team. I think when the head – when I was at Dem Springs, after I was at LSU, uh, our head coach ran the defensive scout team for me. And those guys busted their butt. And I'm less likely to yell and scream at the head coach when he's around the scout team than some other guy who's, you know, like I said, you know, taught five science classes earlier <laughs> and just, just looking at the card and he might not understand what this is, you know. Sure. So I think that, that having – selling the scout team and the importance of it is very, very important. I run our offensive scout team for our, for our defense coordinator and it's, you know, it's we get yelled at every now and then, but understand that we do have a freshman trying to block our defensive end, and he ain't ever blocking them. So yeah, I tell that's him, right. I'll, I'll, I'll tell him. I tell him to hold, but you know, or at least attempt to hold if you can even try. But the scout team is always it's tricky, and it's it's there's no great perfect way I found yet. But the rotation thing that we do, it, it, we're at least getting reps, you know. And, and then I try to get the you know, the O line coach. Hey, these are the blitzes that we need to see, and they kind of do that on their own. Then we'll have, you know, like I said, we only get 50 minutes three days a week. So we'll have some blitz periods in there and try to add stuff in as we go. But it's, I never feel like we're totally, you know, have seen every look. But then, you know, it's high school defense. And it's also, you know, I said one thing, when we worked at LSU, we usually saw what we saw, you know, on, on Saturday. You're going to see what you saw on film. You might have looked at 20 of the films or something like that, but you're going to see it. In high school, it is uh, they come out anything on you. So yeah, that's <laughs> exactly some stuff right. Where, yeah. You know, we looked at – we played a team from Fort Worth this year. They, I don't know if I had seen a snap of three down. Well, they were three down this year, you know, when they came out against us in, in that week. So, you know, having that ability too is always, is always good. But I think it, 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 if you're not somewhere where there's great communication and, you know, if, I, if I'm here for a few more years and learn our defense 
terminology perfectly, then maybe I don't have to card as much. But until then, you know, you, you probably need to have the card, you know. But if you can set it up to where you're not flipping a card every play, you know, that's the, that's the best thing. Yeah, that's when- – go ahead, Walls. I was just saying, I remember, I mean, when you and I harp, we went up to uh, Staley High School just outside of Kansas City, and uh, they, they could basically do football year-round. I mean, obviously wouldn't be in pads, but, you know, I, I liked one of the things that, that Coach Light had done up there. Um, they, they would run almost four different groups. So you'd have one of his defenses. They ran a multiple defense. So you'd be, you know, over front, under front, you know, 3-2 three, three, or 3-4, however, you know, depending on your, you know, if it's spread with tight ends or without, and then they'd go like 3-3 three, three stack. And then they'd rotate, so you'd have all your defensive guys learning, you know, the four fronts. And then you'd have, you know, if you have enough offensive linemen, being able to run, okay, inside zone versus all four of these fronts and having them kind of rotate through. So guys would be able to play, play the three down, guys would be able to play the four down, and then having to make your calls odd and even. I kind of like that, and, you know, I'd like to try something like that maybe in the summer. Even if you just go three fronts, you know, we play – you know, a four down with, with head up twos, we'll play, you know, four down where, where we're shading and then we'll, we'll still play the obvious, you know, straight up threes and fours odd front. I think, I think that'd be an awesome way to do it. I mean, even if you had to bring up, you know, say your, your freshman, you know, having segments where you're going, you know, varsity group, JV group, freshman group, and having to block those three fronts and then also play those three defenses to me was, was kind of a cool way to be able to do it. And then at the same time, not having to, you know, card it, the kids play one defense for, three four reps and then they switch the defense so that's kind of interesting yeah i've always thought if you could do that for like fall camp and use that as your teach tapes you Mm -hmm. know you could which i've it it, that's another note i have like how can we you know because you you go against each other so much resist the urge for the defense or offense to win say hey they're playing they're 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 over front and we're blocking power and boom, now they're coming in and they're playing their 3-3 stack look, and now we're blocking power st- or, you know, whatever counter or something. And now we have film of this from practice, and then we have film to show that for years to come against those fronts for teach tape installs and all that stuff. So that's, that's, you know, that's one of those parts of communication and, and some schools that can do football year-round because we really can't. That's probably even better. At LSU, one thing that uh, Jeff Grimes would do the O-line coach there, he had it. Now, this is, you know, something that you could do at some places, maybe not others. They had it painted on the field, like where people to line up. You know, like they had on the 20-yard line, they had where to stand pretty much for a walkthrough and a 3-3 on the 40 and a, and a 40, you know, and, and, and on the next 40, a 3-3 stack or whatever it looks. So they could just walk through and they just walk down the field. And, the, the, you know, if it, wasn't a, if it wasn't defense, if it was extra offensive guys for O-line walkthrough, just stand on that spot so no one has to show a card or yell or anything like that so I always thought that was pretty clever too that is uh, like that it. is really cool yeah I like that uh, I, I started going to with with cards numbering everybody I think that's kind of was ended up being a lot easier for us um, that way we could go from you know if a team likes to go odd then give you that kind of four three ish look um, you know for us it was a lot easier for me it's a lot easier give everybody a number and now they just have to find their number where if you change it from that overhangs a, a B and now technically he's down, he's an E now no one has any idea where they're going, but <laughs> if he's number one, then he just goes and lines up wherever number one is um, that whole time. That was uh, that was a big help. Uh, I think has been for us these last few years. And then, you know, one of the, the, the parts that I love about being able to card things up is, 
um, I can feel a lot better about bringing their favorite blitzes or their favorite stunts um, into, uh, you know, certain runs and different things that we're working that week uh, to make sure that we've seen those. Mm-hmm. I think the the number thing is a great idea because we have always we we've all been there where it's like where's who's the will what's what's the will doing and they're like Man, <laughs> yeah. it's a freshman going well, I don't know who the will the is will what the hell's the will the, the scout team coach just showed the card might not even looked at it you know so I think that 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 is actually a pretty good idea but that's you know with how we were doing it with the rotation of you know say we're coming out two by two and they're going to be you know a three three stack cover three. Well, to add a couple of blitzes into there and then me knowing through my scripting and not, you know, hey, all right, we ran this against this blitz, we ran that against So you can hit them a few times to where I just think the worst is when you, you got to show a new card every play. I mean, you're just going to slow down. Everyone's going to be pissed off. They're going to get off a card because I, I've learned this from running the scout team. Now, I was very, you, know, you run the scout team at LSU, you're, you're pretty cognizant to, to make sure you're on the right card. Of oh, yeah. The guy running it for you in high school might get off a card, and then everything's screwed up. You know, <laughs> so, uh, you know, having that in the organization, I think the biggest thing is, is everyone's got to buy into the fact that it's very, very important and it needs to be done right. And, you know, we don't need a bunch of scout team superheroes, but as long as they're doing a great job that try to reward those guys who I was telling our head coach, we got a, like a bunch of old helmets that, you know, can't even get, you know, they've, they've been rejected or whatever. I was like, we got to take some of those and, you know, once a week, scout team player of the week, give them a freaking helmet or something, you know, to make them feel good about something because, you know, they do go underappreciated most of the time. So that's why I also thought if, if you can get, you know, if, if you just stick them out there with one guy coaching them and all the other coaches stand on the sideline and watch, that's, that's, that's no good. So, See, I wish there was a way, you know, because obviously the defense films that because um, they're watching their whatever it is inside your team. And, and I've gone through and I've graded our scouts as well. Uh, at times I just wish there was a way and, and it might be my off-season thing I try to find but I wish there was a way or a time that during the season we could sit and meet and say okay let's go over our scout team notes and help those guys get better through film you know there's just yeah. there's whatever 15 minutes before we go out to practice and it's like I've got to use all those 15 with our ones and ones and twos that are going to play um, you almost don't have enough time uh, for film with those other guys, you know, you'd like to almost leave them in for a few periods and, and go over it, but then no one's coaching your guys. So I don't know where, I don't know where the time is in the day to, to get that done, but uh, I think that would probably be a huge benefit. Yeah. It's, it's gotta be, I mean, for, for, I'm sure there's plenty of coaches out there in the same situation where it said you got 40, 45 guys. It's, it's tough. Now if you're at school where you're, you know, you got a hundred guys out there and a bunch of coaches, I'm sure they could do it different for us. It's, it's tough. So it's like, how can we make it organized? And then you say, you know, try to give them some credit and then coach them where you can. Because there's something, everyone's doing something similar enough. Like maybe right, maybe their cover three is a little bit different. That shouldn't really change what my quarterback's doing. You know, if we can run our cover three and, and they can work those skills, then that's good too, you know. Well, Coach, so I'm kind of curious. You know, I, I've been around and, and, and I have kind of my ideas on, on it, but I've never actually been in it. Um, the guys at, at the, some of these big universities, uh, you know, and they have these GAs, these quality control guys, and these guys get um, berated, like you said, at times. Um, is that, in your opinion generally, is that, you know, th these, these assistant coaches are under so much stress that they just have to get it right? Or are they just being jerks for, I mean, almost no, I mean, they could easily get that same thing done and not be um, as 
as over the top as sometimes they are. Well, I, I think it's just just like I always told my scout team guys at LSU said, you know, uh, it rolls downhill. So if the head coach is getting on the O-line coach, the O-line coach is getting on the guy around the scout team, well, now you're going to get as the scout team player. That being said, <laughs> in my experience is, you know, the, the hardest thing for us is, is Coach Miles was, was our goal line and short yardage coach. And uh, he is an expert at that. He, you know, played in the Big Ten, Michigan guy, all that. Is that those looks that he had in his mind were probably not the same looks that, that we had on the card. So understanding that and being ready to like move people really fast because you're just trying to not you're trying to not lose reps. Uh, but we did. I always thought our coaches there did a pretty good job at, at, at if they wanted a specific look that they could kind of tell the guy because they knew that we were we were busting our ass to try to. Or I don't know if I could say that on podcast, but as hard as we could to try to get it lined up. But you know the worst was we used to call it you know bloody Thursdays as we'd practice in our indoor facility. And that's your noise practice day. So it's in an indoor facility, and they are just blaring music as loud as possible. And you're the scout team guy trying to tell the corner to, you know, get in a cover two technique, and you're running out. Those days, that's not fun. But on those days, I thought that the, the assistant guys usually tried to help out. Our O-line coach there when I was at LSU is now the O-line coach at uh, Ohio State, and he pretty much made sure the front was right. You know, we had to show a card, and they went out there, but he'd move guys and kind of point at someone and say, hey, do this or do that. So he kind of did that, and that allowed us to make sure the back-end guys were there where they needed to be. But, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a tough job because you got, you know, a freshman scholarship guy or a walk-on guy that thinks I got to work really, really hard so I have a chance to play one day. And I'm telling him, you know, you better bite on the freaking dig route so we can throw the poster out. And when they don't, then I'm getting screamed at. So then I'm screaming at him. And, you know, that's, you know, hey, you got you to gotta get them to buy into – we're, we're going to throw the ball over your head right now. Just, just like deal with it. You know, <laughs> don't, don't go screw this up because then it's going to be bad for everybody. And uh, so I never felt like it was, you know, everyone's under so much pressure. It's just get it right and get it done. And, and there was very few times where I ever really had, we, we were getting berated too bad, but there's always, there's always the chance of that. If you, I guess if you screwed it up a bunch, you know, but we, we, we had a pretty good system and we were, you have enough eyes out there that everyone should be getting it right. And, you know, the one thing about that is at least it's defensive guys playing defense. You know, in high school, the difference is you might have a guy that's playing Will Backer that doesn't play Will Backer, and we're just, you know, two kids were sick that day, so we had to grab the the backup kicker to come play scout team. And, you know, can you really get mad at that guy for not knowing what to do? Probably not, you know, but you might. So so I think that's that's part of it. I think, you know, I just always – if the, if the coaches take ownership in it and help out, it, it, it helps a ton. But there's, there's definitely some – I'd say this, if, if anyone's ever had to do it, if you can get through that, you can get through just about anything. Because so, it's <laughs> about, about as stressful as it's going to get, you know, especially yeah. – uh, we, we had we – had we played in a bowl game against Clemson, and, and you know, they, they were all worried about Clemson bringing corner blitzes. And, you know, sometimes they show it and sometimes you don't. And so you're yelling at the corner, don't show it this time, show it that time. The corner's yelling, looking at you like, man, I'm just trying to like, you know. So it's, it's, it's you're never, it's never going to be perfect. But, you know, there's always ghosts that they, you'll chase within some of those too, where you're like, all right, well, I didn't see this on film, but that's what they want to see. So we're going to do it. <laughs> so. <laughs> that's exactly right. I still haven't. Um, I still haven't been able to relinquish uh, this the scout team defense yet um, uh, over uh, at, at my high school. I, I'm, I still like to be over there. I still like to show them all the cards and make sure they're right. 
Um, I, I think it's a little added that I get to hear some of the offensive linemen's calls and I get to see them from, um, you know, from a head-on position. So I like that too. But I just haven't – I don't have enough confidence yet to, to give up uh, the getting the scout team where they need to be. Yeah, I keep thinking that one day that I'm never going to have to coach him again, but it's, it's probably <laughs> never going to happen. You know? And we, me and our O-line coach where I'm at now, we, we kind of have an agreement. Like uh, if I run the scout uh, seven on seven, which, which our head coach, D.C., it's like rapid fire. I mean, we're running play after play after play, which I get. That's what they need to see on defense. Well, after that, I'm exhausted. So he'll run the inside run part, and we'll kind of trade off a little bit. But I'll still stand there, and I try to, you know, for all our offensive stuff, we try to put in our, you know, we're on scout team offense because defense. We try to put in our terminology the best we right. can. And I try to tell them, hey, this is this, this is hey, which I think that's a very good, in our situation, especially for the O-line, a great chance to block some of our run scheme stuff because everyone's running gap scheme stuff inside zone. Maybe they're doing a little bit differently, but there's still ways that we can work some stuff in there. And we'll usually have a group that, that has a bunch of our starting linemen in it, then we'll have a group that has some backup guys in it. So. And lots of times I'll, I'll try to go with that kind of younger scout team group on offense. Just like sometimes I don't ever get to see them practice if they're over on the JV field. So there's, there's benefits to being involved in it. Uh, you know, no, no one's going to lie and say they're too fired the up about part. it. I think that's so. the biggest part is you can, you can look at the card for the defense, see that it's, you know, whatever, inside zone, and then, and then tell them, hey, still look at the card, but you guys are running, you know, whatever, your, whatever, five, 502. Hey, this yeah. is 502, guys. Just here you go, 502. And then still show, show them the card to make the defense happy. But zone is zone, you know. And, yep. and we've got some way to run just about everything except for, you know, the, the few wing T, the one, uh, I don't know if it was wing T or, or whatever, the one flex bone team that we would play a year. We don't have anything for that. So we work on some four point stances. But other than that, we've got just about every play somehow that we could call it. And so, um, putting it in our terms really helps our, our young guys. Absolutely. And, but there is always that one option team or wing T team and you're going, uh, and then, and then there's always the time where you get the passing card and you're going, man, I've, I've, I've drawn a lot of passes and I've, I've never seen this one. This can't never be seen right. This one. <laughs> yeah. Y'all be, Hey, just go run and throw it right there. You know, <laughs> so one of those, but I always tell our quarterbacks like, Hey, I know we're rushed in seven on seven. A lot of this stuff is a lot like what we do. So go through the progression, go through the read. If it's something really, really weird I've never seen before, well, you know, just make it look real <laughs> so, type deal because See, there I is some that. that. It's hard to. So. I never do that. I always tell the quarterbacks, hey, look, you're the JV quarterback. You don't get to have any fun. Let's <laughs> launch it deep. Let's yeah, launch it deep. Them. Home runs. Let's go, baby. They're going to do that invariably. I always tell them. I would just <laughs> check it down every time so I can go say, I don't know why I'm out playing, man. I 100% completions today or something. So, but, no, they're always going to take the chance to, to chunk it deep and, and all that. So, Coach, when you're at LSU, you got to have a couple of pretty classic stories. Uh, I, I'm sure – I don't know if he was still there, if you were there, but I know uh, James Killian was also down there. Yes, uh, he was and, right and he, before me. Yep, and he was with uh, with Craig Thorpe, and, he, and of course, you know, he played at Tulsa, so he knew a bunch of guys that were still on staff when I got to Tulsa then. So he'd send us pictures every now and again, and he'd sent one. I remember it was like, we've been sitting here for 30 minutes talking about this defensive look that uh, that Miles had drawn up on the board, and they couldn't figure out how they'd be able to block one of the guys. Well, he had 12 guys on the field, <laughs> and nobody and everyone was too scared to say anything to him, so they're like – sitting there for 30 minutes waiting for it like hey coach miles i didn't want to tell him he's he's got 12 guys on the field but we were all just laughing our asses off because 
It's like, yeah, everyone's everyone's too scared, man. They're not going to correct Coach Miles. Oh no, I mean, it's uh, the, the the best story, and I think Gabe Fertitta had a a Twitter like deal where it said, "Hey, everyone, give your best young coach story." And I, I wrote one on there, and he was like, "I think you could take it. You could probably wrote write the most." But the best is we were going to play TCU in one of those uh like you know week one uh, neutral site games, and Cam Cameron, who was an NFL guy for years. Amazing offensive mind, smart as a whip, all that stuff. But he was known to be a guy. I mean, he grinded you a little bit. He, he wasn't scared to burn it on both ends. And, and we had finally been game planning for two weeks. We finally got the game plan made, the call sheet, all these things are made. And I got many stories about that because that was one of my biggest jobs. But oh, we go to the conference room at the hotel. And uh, he's like, come here, boys. Uh, me and Bo Hardigree, who now works for the Jets, one of my good friends. And we go down there. We're like, you know, we're thinking it's Friday night. We might have a chance to, you know, see Fort Worth or something like that later later on in night. And uh, he's like, uh, Did, do you all have a football for the walkthrough? We're like, football for the walkthrough? Uh, you know, the, the, the equipment truck's over at the stadium 30 minutes away. All right, yeah, we'll get a football. We'll send student assistant guy to go get it. We'll get that. And then he goes, hey, and also we need hashes and numbers on the floor. <laughs> and, and, Bo, and Bo, Bo looks at him. He's like, uh, how do you want us to do that? And, you know, with a couple maybe explicitives in there, it's pretty much, you know, you know the math, how far the hashes and numbers should be. Just, you know, mark it off with your feet, size it on down, go get some athletic tape, and mark off the hashes and the numbers. So every Friday night, it turned into kind of a, a – a sitting there and bitch session pretty much, but we'd sit there and go through that whole process. And I swear, I don't know if we ever put the ball in the left or the right hash in the walkthrough. And I don't think the receiver cared where that mark was for the number. Absolutely. So something, we had to, something we had to do. And, uh, you know, Bo went to the NFL later on and he was ready to do it. And Adam Gates was like, what are you talking about? Man, no one does that. Don't do that. It's a waste of time. You know, the players will make fun of you or something. It's like, well, we did it, you know. And so you have a you have a bunch of those where it's like, you know, just you got to get it done. And, and, you know, it's not your job to really question it. Uh, but I always say anywhere you go, you should you, you kind of learn what you what you think's good and what you should do. And then you, you're probably going to learn a little bit of what not to do, too. And you take that and build it over your rep- repertoire as years come. At the same time, Cam, Cam was great with us for other stuff, but – that was one of his things, and I have oh, I could we could have a whole podcast on GA stories. I bet a bunch of them would end up being about about the same. So, <laughs> no, I bet. Well, well, the my coolest thing about listening to those stories, like I get to hear those, or or the ones from Walls, is when when you have to do some of those mind numbing things. Is some of the funny things that come off of it. You know, guys, Walls always tells the story of of uh, making one of the GAs or him or one of the other quality controls. You know writing down all the, the crazy things that coaches would say. And, that, uh, you know, just some of the fun stuff or the funny things that those coaches come up with during those times are, are some of the, the most classic of those stories. Yeah, we, we said that we were going to all, like, write a book, and it was going to be uh, titled, So You Want to Be a Ball Coach. <laughs> and we were just going to take all of our stories from my friends that have been everywhere, from high school to middle school to the NFL, to, to, and just all the stories that people have had to do because – and one of them, a guy that worked with me at LSU just got a job at Nevada. He was at LSU for seven years, and I know he could write a book. You know, it might lead to him never coaching again if he wrote the book, but he could write a book on just <laughs> the things that you see over the course of years. Most of them not bad, and they're harmless, but just funny things. And we had, we had our, our, our O-line GA had to do a, 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 a snap chart after every game from shotgun snaps. 
so kind of to be a yeah, it's just to kind of have just to make it funny to him it was like the incredible hulk on a piece of paper <laughs> yeah. that he had like little x's where every snap went so, but he had to sit there and watch it every you know every every sunday morning he's making the snap chart he thought it was funny i was like oh you know then i was like what what happens when one goes over the head he's like i, I put a really high mark right it went over the head so <laughs> well, they, they wanted that to make sure where he, so they could show the center which i get but you know he he made it the incredible hole so i thought that was pretty good yeah, I th- there's so many of them, man. The the ultimate one for me was when, I mean, the ultimate like it would just drive me nuts because you you'd show them like, hey, you and I know you want to make you want to make changes to the script or you want to make like you know a change to a route. So you know you, you have it drawn, and and I'd show them like, hey, it's it's here in the shared folder. Like everybody has the same folder. Literally, all you do is like we type two things in here right now, right? <laughs> I can type it. He he wanted it to where you printed it off. And then you had to circle it in a certain color of pen, and then you had to go back and change it. And literally, it finally got to the point where it was so ridiculous, I'd just tell him, like, okay, hey, make your edit. And then I'd tell him to move, and I'd do it right there on his computer. <laughs> yeah. And then if he wanted another one, I'd literally print one from his computer, print it, bring it back to his office. Then he could make the mark, and I'd change it right on his computer. And it still never got through. <laughs> so I'm like, dude, I, I, yeah. I guess I'm done. I'm sorry, I can't help you. It was like one yeah. of the days, you know, when the, the receiver GA or was gone or something like that. So I had to, I had to fill in because I was with the offensive line guy. And Denver always said, hey, you're the old line guy. You just work with me. But when no one else would be around, you know, because someone would go to class and I was old enough, I was like, you coach, you know, I'm in my 30s. Like, I ain't going to class, man. I'm, I'm here to just learn ball, have fun, talk to the guys and, and do my thing. But sometimes you get stuck with some of those other coaches, man. You're just banging your head against the wall. Like, what in the hell? How does this guy have this job, man? He came and turned his computer on. <laughs> you, uh, he, you weren't leaving to to go to class where I worked at. That would have been a that that wasn't going to be acceptable. Thing you know, we had the online class deal. Or I I don't know how I got a master's. I think they just gave it to me pretty much. I'll take it. It's, it's that's my name on it. We did some work, but that's it was right. uh, uh, we had the same thing where it was a uh, we're typing the scripts. You're like, oh, you know, I don't I don't think that that makes. And of course, every different thing has to be like a bam, pass is blue, a runs red, a run pass options green, a screens purple. <laughs> But then, uh, well, we need the play to stand out, so that needs to be bold. Well, if you've worked in Excel before, you understand that, like, when you type it all in one line, you can't just bold one little section without going and selecting that section. So we'd be doing that all the time. Then the one guy I worked with, Craig Thorpe's son, Chris Craig Thorpe, still laughs at this day when he tells the story. Anytime I had a mistake, and Chris went to Wheaton College, so he's, you know, exponentially smarter than me, he'd be like, hey, Vice, uh, you misspelled whatever over there, and I would just, like, stare at him. Like I was ready to fight him because somehow I was the only one that could type fast enough that I got stuck with the typing of the scripts job. You know? <laughs> Although there was student assistants and, and, you know, uh, administrative assistants and all these people that weren't, you know, typing anything at that time. But, you know, I had 30 other things on my to-do list, but I was in there typing, Oh, highlight that, move this. Do this. I just was glad I was doing it with Excel. You know, what did they do back in the day before they had that? You know? One That's time, exactly Coach Miles right. did say, well, can't you go on Word Perfect and, like, fix this? I was just like, come on, Coach, you know better than that. But <laughs> 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 it's, it's, it's the same stories everywhere. So Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I was just glad that, you know, finally I, I could get out of, like, you know, to me the, the game plan meetings were the, were the dumbest thing ever for a GA. Because, like, I mean, like, like I'm going to have one ounce of input, you know? So, I mean – 
they just needed one guy in there to type it for them because God knows they couldn't type it, you know? Yeah. One, one guy in there to write it up on the board. So we, we kind of had those two guys who were in there because they wanted to do it anyway, you know, and usually it's the pass game guys. I'm like, screw this. I'm the O-line guy. I know the three fronts they run. I know the blitzes. <laughs> I just go upstairs and hide out in the dark, and I'd just be breaking down film. So I'd be, you know, three or four weeks ahead on games. And then that way at night, rather than having to waste my time, you know, messing with something else, that's when we could go clinic. So to me, that was, that was kind of the, the best part out of it. I know I thought the first week they're like, yeah, I want all you guys in here for game plan. And then I kind of talked them out like, Hey, I'm not going to have any good suggestions that you guys are going to listen to anyway. So yeah, you're probably right. You can just go break down film. Like, yes. Yeah. We got to uh, my last year at LSU. I got moved off the field as so I could make a little bit more money as, you know, an analyst or whatever. And, uh, we got to me and me and my buddy Bo Hardiger got to where we really didn't really get even go to practice. You know, it's like well, we're gonna have to watch it anyway later on, so exactly. we'll just get ahead. Now, once we got to November, it was like we, we don't have any film left to do. So then we started just we started looking for stuff. You know, making mm-hmm. started our off season research then, and you know you're gonna have bowl game stuff to break down and all that. But we got you know get ahead, stay ahead and all that you know and I still wondered we still had to do the play-by-plays by hand then which was very frustrating in 2013 that they couldn't just you know hey Clemson sending us film they can't send it out in distance you know we do that in high school you know but yeah back then we'd have that but we we were lucky enough where we had student assistants that would help us do some of that and then when we get real bored we'd you know everyone grab a game and we're gonna see who can enter a play-by-play the fastest you know <laughs> there's that. definitely some guarding the desk time killers that you have to find when you're in those jobs people don't understand like you're there's you're busy a lot of times and then there's sometimes where it's you know you're there's only you better have some ball to talk or something fun to watch because you're going to be sitting around doing nothing <laughs> we had Especially think, in the off season yeah we we'd gotten it a couple of times i know uh coach biggs was the other guy with us coach Bigelow. we've had him on the podcast but i, I swear a couple times we ripped through games in like 20 minutes i mean we got we got the the system down so i mean he'd be the typing i'd be running the remote you know, left hash, this, ding, 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 ding. We just have it, boom, and we had the system. I mean, that's when it got to be really, really fun. And just to bloop, 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 and go. So, yeah, I can was... definitely attest to a toast. Like you said, man, you know, hey, let's see if we can get six games done today, you know. so <laughs> Yeah, we always were good about, like, putting it on the board and then assigning each of us what we want to do. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was, and that's something that you should be doing everywhere. And then you, you go places, and it's not done that way of really like having to do lists and everyone's held accountable. And then you you can hammer, you know, you check it off when you do it. And there's one guy that still has three things left now. He's just getting hammered on how he sucks and he can't get his job done. And, you know, more out of fun than anything. But it was a good way to keep everyone on balance. And then, you know, hey, if we get it all done, well, now, you know, we're going to be here till you know, head coach wants to leave. Uh, so now we can do something else or we can get ahead on something else. And that's, that's, I think that's why those jobs are very important. And what they teach people is really how to organize your time, how to get a lot of stuff done and how to have, you have to have the ability to sit down, lock in and focus and get something done, you know, without distractions. I, I'll be on Excel doing stuff now and people will be like, man, how can you sit there for two hours? Oh, so I used to sit there for six. So <laughs> two's not bad, you know, Who's yeah, that's up? exactly right. But, but it's, it's, it's great to tell those stories because so many people have the same things and it's, it's almost like it makes a brotherhood of like, Oh, you went through it too. Oh, you went through it. And then, you know, always saying, Hey, if I'm ever in the position where I have a GA, I'll, I'll make sure that he's not taping fours on conference rooms and I'll let him know that he's lucky that he's not doing that, but you know, things like that. So. Well, coach kind of rolling up on an hour now. Uh, It's been an awesome hour, but you know, the thing I always like to ask guys is, 
uh, when you're watching another team's offensive line, what's some things they'd be doing that would make you think highly of their offensive line coach? Oh, anytime, you know, especially in high school, because, you know, we play a team in our league that is blessed with some great offensive linemen. I mean, they got the guys that are going to D1. So you see them and you go, all right, they're getting a move. They're getting moving. They're getting pushed. But I always look for who's the team that's got the, the undersized guys that are just getting after somebody. And that's what we try to tell our smaller guys. Like, go be a gnat. Just go get after someone. Then we were talking about the other day. Uh, my head coach makes fun of me because we insert uh, – we put screens in the first day. We don't have any pads on. It's not like we can run power. So why not put, you know, your tunnel screens and all that in. But seeing who's good at that. Because I don't think – I think lots of times people lose – they just think, oh, we'll just get them out there. and It's a screen. But there's so many little things about that. And if you're a great screen team, you have a chance. That's just, you know – now it's only as good as who you throw it to and all that stuff. But an O-line that can get out there and block people on the perimeter in the screen game, it's going to make, you, make your life easier in the pass protection. But then also seeing who's doing great stuff with their guys scheme-wise in the gap. You know, everyone's going to run some, some gap scheme stuff. But are they doing something a little different? You know, are they false pulling here? Are they, you know, we saw some of that this year and tried to steal some where, all right, we were on speed option. Well, let's pull the guard and make it look like power and bluff option. And, you know, things like that that we're always looking for. I, I do – I, just like probably everyone's going to listen to this, I'm always looking for stuff on Huddle and anything that someone retweets. I try to retweet so I have it saved and so I can show our O-linemen too. Like, look at how this guy's doing this, you know. I love the 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 coaches that are teaching and really getting it to their offensive linemen that, you know, pass pro is not always passive, you know. Like, you can go find work and light some guys up and pass pro, and it's awesome, you know. Like, that's the kind of stuff we look for. And when you see it, you go, those guys are doing a good job. You know, just because – they're, they ran for 3,000 yards, and they're really good up front. doesn't mean that, you know, they might just be blessed with really good players. You know, a bunch of us out there, or you might have one good guy, but most usually in the high school, you know, we have a, we have a tackle that's 6'4", 300. But we got a guard that's, you know, 5'10", 190. <laughs> so, you know, how can you coach them all to, to get on the same page and do stuff and, and be effective, you know, other than just surviving on talent? So. Coach Ben, love the answer. Appreciate you coming on. This has uh, been a blast and uh, look forward to, uh, to reconnecting with you soon and, and hopefully getting a chance to get down to Houston. Did a heck of a job, man. All right, man. Thank you all so much. Uh, like I said, anyone out there that's got anything they ever want to share, small school, limited practice time stuff, that's, that's kind of my off season, what I'm looking forward to, to get better on us being able to maximize reps in a 50-minute you know, window type deal. So I thank you guys. Appreciate everything you guys do for us. And that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to again thank all of our sponsors. You guys, make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy Running the Power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.